Simple Suttas, a podcast on original Buddhism. It's uh, springtime in my little woods today. It's quite a thing, you, you wouldn't think of it, but this morning um, it snowed. <laughs> uh, there was just uh, huge uh, swirls of of snow coming down and it was sticking at least a little bit but uh, then the wind blew and warmed up and it all melted in about an hour and now we're back to springtime you can hear some frogs and uh, quite a few birds I had a, a few thoughts today on uh, sense restraint so uh, this is one of those <clears throat> terms that, uh, <laughs> these are English words, but uh, typically you only hear them in a Buddhist context. It's what uh, Ajahn Sujato calls uh, Buddhist hybrid English. It's one of those things that uh, if you know Buddhism, then you know that term, and you know what it implies, and if not, sort of a sort of a strange idea so I, I thought to, I might say what it might mean in the context of a deep practice monasticism and then I uh, might have a few thoughts on what it would mean for a non-monastic uh, by the way I'm, I'm not using the little uh, little earbuds so if you the sound is okay, let me know. So sense restraint, Here, here's the idea. The idea is that, and let's take this in the context of like uh, you're on retreat or you're a monastic and uh, doing some serious practice here. If you are not careful, then it's all too easy to allow your senses to be attracted to beautiful things, to desirable things, to uh, smell some uh, wonderful food cooking and just feel like, oh, gotta have it. To, uh, to see uh, a beautiful woman and think, oh, gotta have it. Or whatever it is. Uh, the idea is that these things aren't inherently evil. There's nothing evil about delicious food or a beautiful person. But they're problematic in the context of deep practice because they take you away from doing the useful work of meditation. Right? This, is, this much is obvious. You're on retreat. And typically people organize retreats specifically to avoid these things, right? Uh, you don't have a, a meditation retreat on South Beach. But then you have to go the extra mile because it, it, it can be kind of amazing, you know? You, you go on retreat and you have one meal a day and it's a fairly simple meal. And yet somehow, oh my God, you know, those those carrots. Oh, I can't wait tomorrow to have those carrots. Or uh, find yourself 
falling in love with uh, the person on the uh, meditation mat in front of you, even though you've never talked to them. Never quite happened to me, but uh, apparently it's pretty common. Well, you can see how this can be uh, distracting from uh, the issue at hand. And you can also see how it could be problematic in life, right? You know, that, that's how a good monk ends up disrobing. They fall in love, they find something that is uh, so attractive that they, uh, they can't resist. So this could be a problem. Any particular moment sitting on the couch, any particular moment in a meditation retreat. I, uh, I definitely have had the experience of being on retreat and uh, start thinking about my family, thinking about my wife, thinking about my kids and uh, And those memories, those thoughts, uh, wanting to be with them, I became strong enough that it was incredibly, you know, incredibly distracting from the meditation. Okay, so how far should we take this? Well, on the one hand, it's clear enough that you need to take it as far as you possibly can, right? That you want to do everything that you can set aside these other kinds of desires to focus on practice. But what about in life? There's a great uh, uh, sutta, I'm, I'm forgetting uh, which number now, I probably looked it up, but uh, the uh, young woman asked the Buddha, I think it was her father and her uncle, as I recall, maybe it was two uncles. Uh, she asked him, uh, so, uh, what happened to my, uh, let me say, father uh, after he died? He was a lay person. And the Buddha said, well, he was actually reborn as a non-returner. So very high, kind of uh, nearly at the level of enlightenment. The idea is that he would be reborn in the heavenly realm and find rebirth here, uh, or find uh, uh, enlightenment there without ever being reborn in, in this world. And uh, she asked, well, what about my uncle? Same answer. And uh, this, this woman was sort of uh, mystified. She said, well, my father lived celibate his whole life. And my uncle didn't. So how could it be that they are both at that same level of progress on, along the path. And uh, the Buddha said, well, one of them uh, did more to practice sense restraint, but the other did more to study and learn and understand uh, on that way. So uh, the, the point here is uh, twofold on the one hand, like, uh, for a serious Buddhist, being celibate is not unreasonable. And it was the path that one of those two people took in order to get as close to enlightenment uh, as you can in this life as a layperson. So that's very powerful. I mean, how many uh, people do you know that are willing to 
take on that level of commitment, right? It's one thing not to, uh, not to kill, not to steal, not to drink alcohol, but uh, taking on that uh, celibacy as a layperson, that's a, that's, a, that's a powerful path. On the other hand, it's apparently not necessary. We're not called on as lay people to be monks, to be nuns. That's not the idea. When you make choices, you have to live with the consequences of those choices. That's the idea of kamma. So if you've decided to live as a lay person, You have to live with the consequences of those actions. You have to care for your children, care for yourself, do your job, whatever you need to do. Take care of your parents. That's the comma of that decision. So what level of sense restraint is appropriate or even possible depends on your circumstances. does require deep commitment that does require stepping back from the things of the world including perhaps most importantly those things you desire the most